The reading is from Romans 8, chapters 14 to 17, 26 to 30. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought your, about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. He also searches our hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be confirmed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And also he predestined, he also called those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Thank you, Maddie. Fantastic. Thank you. So um, some of you would have caught each other's names or know each other's names of the person next to you. So um, use this opportunity to address them, but call them a saint. So it would be Saint Sue or Saint Mark. You see what we did there? So just call them a saint. Say, you're Saint, Saint Felucio. Just, or, you know, and look across the room and say, Saint Claire is over there and, uh, you know, Saint Freddie and uh, Saint Derek and uh, what have you. So wonderful. So because according to, uh, according to the Bible, uh, that is what we are. Believe it or not, your husband is a saint according to the Bible, not according to me or you probably, but uh, that you, we are all saints, we are all saints, so um, we're called top church, but we are all saints, uh, that's what the, how the Bible describes us, so we are tracking what's called the church calendar, now um, the way we do it in top church is we always get there in the end, but we're sort of on the same page, but a little bit behind, roughly on the same page, so, so we did all souls a week late, and we're doing all saints a few weeks late, but Christmas we're sticking to the, you know, to, to the, you know, to the, to the calendar, be pleased to know. So, um, but we're looking at this afternoon about becoming saints, our calling uh, to become even more saintly uh, than we already are. Which I know when you look around, it's hard to believe for some people how they can be even more saintly uh, than they are at the moment. So that's what we're going to uh, have a little uh, look at. We've got a few slides, so if we can move on to the next one, Kath, that would be uh, wonderful. Thank you. So, um, this is what we're going to be thinking about. Now, when you think about becoming a saint, uh, which you will, will all become, you all are, and um, you never know, you might even get noted by the Pope, and he will uh, make you a saint one day if you're, if you're fortunate enough. Um, what you notice is this, is that um, immediately when you think about sainthood, or uh, if you grew up in church, you think of those big words, that big word, sanctification, or you think of just, you know, just becoming a decent person, kind of, you know, just a bit better person uh, than I was yesterday. When you think about those things, um, I don't know about you, but immediately you start to kind of think, oh, goodness, is that, am I going to, is that, you know, when you think about being a saint or you think about sort of being more Christian, you know, you, you either think 
probably like me think, oh no, that sounds awful, really. That doesn't sound very appealing. It sounds like more don't spit, don't chew, don't swear, um, you know, and don't do this and don't do that. And it, it kind of doesn't sort of um, appeal. And you kind of think, you know, if I become more saintly and, you know, more of a follower of Jesus and more of a disciple, whatever language you want to use, do I kind of lose a bit of myself in doing that? Do, do you know what I mean? Do I become a bit less of who I am? Or, or in real terms, you know, really heartbreaking terms, do I, do, I have to, do I have to change dramatically who I am in order to become more of a saint? Now, what I've noticed is um, over the years, uh, as I get a greyer beard, uh, over the years is that some churches, not all churches, and I've, you know, I'm guilty of this as much as the next uh, vicar, um, and there's a fair few in here, to be fair, isn't there, uh, is that you would, they will do a series. Have you ever been in a church where you do a series on your values, or what does it mean to belong to that church? Have you been in churches where you do, this is us, I'm not mentioning it, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, we've, we've been there, we, I've done it, you know, got the postcard and everything. And, and it's normally kind of a description of, what, if you belong to this church, this is what it means, okay? It's kind of shorthand for control, I mean, shorthand for a description of, of what it means to belong to this church. So these are our values, and this is the type of person, and, and this is what we're going to be, and, and th- this is kind of who we are, as it were. And that's really valid, and actually it's a very helpful way of describing the kind of church we want to be. It's quite helpful. But there is a little kind of drawback with that, which is often that, well, if you don't fit with those values or that kind of way of being a Christian, the subtext is you're not really welcome. You won't quite fit in here because you don't actually live up to these standards. Do you know what I mean? When I joined the Salvation Army, um, I've, I've tried every church, and the Anglican Church is the only one that has me in the end, and, uh, and pays a pension. That's not why I got ordained. But um, uh, when I joined the Salvation Army, you sign that you, know, you are going to live up to all these sorts of things. You know, the Anglican Church just sign that you'd look after the queen, you know, but in the, in the, in the other, you know, you'd sign, and you think, I can't live up to these kind of values in, in real terms. And so sometimes these things, when you talk about sainthood, you talk about a kind of a, a right Christian lifestyle or a wrong Christian lifestyle, can feel, can be a bit of a means of control. Do, do, do you know what I mean by that? It can be a backdoor to, to sort of churchy to saying, this is kind of how, how we think everybody ought to be. Now, perhaps you've not experienced that, but I'm just mentioning it because I imagine some of us here would, and it's just part of our story that we've got to try and kind of process a little bit. And that might mean include changing your sexuality or, or, you know, you're not really this kind of person, you're not that kind of person. These are kind of ways in which churches have used, as it were, their, their views on things to kind of squeeze us into to their understanding and, and their mould. But here's the incredible thing when you really get into sainthood, it's this. Becoming a saint really means being more of who you are within the love of God. It's about being more of who you are. It's not about being less of who you are. It's not about God kind of taking stuff away from you or, or the church threatening you. It's about becoming more you. C.S. Lewis said, some of you, uh, we're, we're all feeling Narnia-ish as the weeks go by, and uh, there's a word that I really struggle to say, but it's how monotonously, is that if I said that right? I'm not, I'm not very good with, um, with long words. Uh, alike, all the great tyrants and conquerors have been, but how gloriously different are the saints. How glorious different are the saints. Isn't that a little profound but true statement? James Martin, who wrote a lovely book called My Life with Saints, he says this, each saint was holy in his or her unique way revealing how God celebrates individuality. So there's something about when we go on the path of following Jesus, when that person next to you becomes even more saintly, 
that it's not about fearing that we're going to have to we're change massively, but actually become who we really are in the love of God. Some writers call it kind of the deep self. Some writers call it your true self. Some writers call it just living as Christ would live if he was living your life. Recognizing that actually this whole process means that you know, Derek becomes more Derek. You know, Jen becomes more Jen. Felucia becomes even more Felucia as they all continue in their journey to, to sainthood. Now, so that's by way of introduction. So um, these are my favorite saints. Now, choosing your favorite saints is like if you're fortunate enough or unfortunate enough to have kids. It's like choosing your favorite kid, isn't it? Or at Top Church, choosing your favorite curate. You know, it's really, um, it, it's sort of a difficult uh, decision to make. But uh, does anybody know who these saints are, who they are? Julian of Norwich is yeah, fantastic. That is a contemporary, um, uh, well, you can see a contemporary interpretation of, of Herbert's fantastic bit of uh, graffiti and artwork. And the person on the right, anybody know? Francis of Assisi. It's Francis of Assisi. They think this is the first, the earliest portrait they have of him. So I think that's um, you know, fairly accurate of how, how he looked, but you, you know, one never knows. Uh, but that's Francis and that's uh, Julian and Orange. Now, I'll highlight these two saints um, to show kind of how different and yet how similar saints are. So, so Francis basically had ants in his pants, okay? Um, actually probably did, if you know him. He would probably would have... Anyway, uh, but what I mean by that is Francis was always... <laughs> always on the move. He never stayed still. He's very spontaneous. He's very creative. He never quite knew what was going to come out of his mouth. And the thing that he really didn't like was he didn't like reading and he didn't like writing. Okay? Secretly, I think he was a dyslexic, but um, uh, sure sign. <laughs> uh, but he was very spontaneous, creative, um, and he loved creation. He loved different kind of groups of people, would always um, would love to go on journeys and, and, and went and build bridges with um, the strong kind of uh, Muslim community uh, in Egypt. Incredible story there of his work with uh, peacemaking and so on. So he, that's kind of Francis, very active, lively sort of character, spontaneous. You weren't quite sure what he was going to say next or do or you know, like a, a few people around here. Julian of Norwich was, in a way, opposite to Francis. Julian, um, she was a writer. So she, and actually, uh, uh, historically, this is a little, really interesting, the, she, she, the book that she wrote was called Revelation of Divine Love. It is, it is absolutely stunning book, and it is, there's, there's kind of proper versions, and there's really small, thin versions. Um, and I got given the small, thin version once by a monk, and it completely transformed my life. They are the most stunning, stunning uh, writings about God's love. I, I cannot recommend them high, highly enough. Absolutely beautiful. Um, and that's the first book that we know have or we have on record that was written by um, a woman. First book that we know. Personally, I don't think it was. I think other women would have written books but weren't published or given the opportunity and so on. But she was the one that we have the first on, on record. So really special lady. And she spent all her life, she didn't have ants in a pants. She wasn't running around the place. She was in what they call a cell. That's not a, a, a police cell or even a small Christian group. It's, it's a small room. And um, she would uh, sit there uh, and have these kind of revelations about God's love. And people would come up to her... Um, her sails were through the window and, and received counsel and spiritual wisdom and direction. So she was just stay put. She came from Norwich, where Freddie and Beth come from, uh, hence the name. See what they did there, Julian Norwich. And Francis came from Assisi, a creative bunch, aren't we? Uh, top church at the top and bottom church at the You know, it's all, it's, we're all very creative Christians, um, and, uh, but very kind of different people. But yet, both 
um, are saints, both different characters. Francis was about the 12th century, Julian sort of the 14th century towards, towards, towards the end. And what I want to do briefly before we pray, uh, offer prayer is to highlight three kind of characteristics that seem to be in play when saints arise. When God raises up saints, I want to highlight three different characteristics uh, that are at play and at work. And the first is, and you see this really with Julian and Francis and, and, and uh, all the, in the scriptural saints as well. The first is hats in the system. And I know that's what you were all thinking, weren't you? Hats in the system. So um, I, I went to, um, <laughs> you're looking at me, I have no idea what you're going to buy. Um, so uh, pick a hat, anyhow. I went to a, a conference um, once, a leadership conference, and it was sort of one of these leadership gurus who was going to give the answer to everything. And uh, it was great, really, really enjoyed it. And um, he started his talk by saying, uh, every morning when I, um, when I wake up, I go into my cupboard, I open the cupboard, and I choose what hat I'm going to wear. And I'm thinking, I like what you're doing because I'm bald, you're bald. I, I, I get that. I know it's a big, it's not an easy decision. You've got to, you know, so I've just, I've got gray and blue, and even that's confusing at times for me. So, uh, you know, and so that's what I thought was going to give a little fashion tip about hats, which you were all hoping I would do. And what, what he said was this, I have to decide that day, what hat am I going to wear? And he carried on. He said, for example, when I um, look at the bank account, he ran a, quite a, a large church in, in the States. So when I look at our, our bank account, I realize I can't pay our staff. I put the hat on of the fundraiser. It's got his fundraiser hat on. He said, and then when I have to speak to a member of my staff and, and praise them for how brilliantly they're doing, I put the hat on of encourager. When I have to um, speak to a, uh, you know, perhaps someone who hasn't, um, hasn't achieved as much as, as perhaps they could have done, I put whatever hat you call that on, <laughs> encourager hat on, uh, you know, or a kind of supervisor hat on. Do, do you understand what I mean? So that he put all these different hats on. Let me put it like this. There's a story back in the day about a young chap called David and a chap called Saul. Saul had all this armor. David is going to go and have a little fight with Goliath. Well, it's quite a big fight, a big fight with Goliath. And Saul said to David, chuck on this armor, it'll do you good. David chucked on the armor, and he was a little chap like me, but he was, he was good looking, so we weren't that similar. Uh, but the armor kind of drenched him. It was too much for him. He had the wrong hat on. He had the wrong armor on. And Francis and Julian's life until they reached that place of kind of sainthood, as it were, they had to go through so many situations personally where people around them or the systems that they were involved were placing these hats on them. Not literally, but if you want to go literally, you can. They were forcing them into these roles. So Francis, they, his dad wanted, his dad had a strong relationship. His dad wanted him to be a, he was, you know, used to sell um, fashion. He was in the fashion industry. He wanted him to follow him in his footsteps and, you know, sell fashion industry stuff. But Francis refused. And then they wanted him to do this, and he refused. They wanted him to do that. And Julian, um, you know, had, they had great plans for her that she was going to do this, and she was going to do that, and she was going to be, um, you know, a housewife and, and whatever woman should do. But she had to fight against that and go on her inner journey and to wear the hat that God wanted her to wear. And the reason I mention that is simply this, is I would imagine, if you're anything like me, there are kind of um, moments in your life where, You've, you may be going through that, and you're feeling like the system you're in, you know, whether it's in your workplace or your family life or, or whatever, is kind of forcing you to wear these hats. Do, do you know what I mean by that? You, you've got to be this kind of, or even the church, or this church, or church you've been involved in. You know, if you want to be involved with this, you've got to, you know, it's nice to have you, but really this is the hat you've got to wear uh, if you're going to be in this church. You know, that's really, you've got to you understand what I mean. You've got to be this kind of person. 
And that whole process is often what God uses. Because if you're uncomfortable, you're thinking, this hat doesn't fit, this armor weighs me down, this label doesn't work for me, then maybe God actually is turning you into a bit more of you, a bit more of a saint. Maybe God can use those awkward hat fittings that pressure you to actually help you discover who, who, are, who I am, who am I really, you know? You know, I, I remember, um, this is my own kind of example, I, I remember um, a game which is a big kind of Christian conference. It was when everything was on, on well, everything's still online, but, you know, everything particularly online. And um, would you mind just opening that door there, just letting a bit of a breeze, because I'm sweating. I know it's unusual, but I'm sweating at Top Church, which is unusual, isn't it? I know everyone's got coats on. Thanks, Dave. Uh, oh, God, everything's open now. Um, I was watching this, and uh, they interviewed one American. Of, he was an American pastor, and, you know, he was there. He had his six-pack, and we all knew it. And, uh, you know, he had the answers to everything, and he was very successful. And it's just enough to, 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 you know, go to the gym, but also to make you feel sick, you know. And you just think, that's not me. And it felt like, but, but everything, the context I was in, say, you've got to be, you know, like that, successful kind of leader. And then afterwards, they showed this old man who had lived with the poor and the broken that hardly anybody knew about, really. And when they interviewed him, there was a sparkle and a beauty and a twinkle in his eye that was just mesmerizing and was humble and beautiful. And everything in me thought, that's my hat. That's what I want to go for. Got a long way to go, but I don't like that hat. I want to go for that hat. And there'd be other hats in your systems. And maybe God will use those kind of things to help you focus. The next thing is really quick, as well as hats in the system, was society, in both their contexts, societies was uh, changing. In Julian and Norridge's time, they had this thing called a pandemic. I don't know if any of you have lived through any of that. Uh, they had a pandemic. They had, they had the plague coming. And, and during that, that meant there was, a big, there was lockdown and there was big changes in her time. And because um, uh, the way it came into Norwich, um, the people who were getting blamed um, for the pandemic were... Um, nothing changes in one sense, with immigrants, people from abroad who were coming in, they were bringing it all uh, with them. It, it wasn't, actually, it was the, the owners of the ship and so on. But anyway, they were getting blamed. The, the, the other was getting blamed. And she lived in a time of great pressure in society, in many ways a little bit like ours. Francis of Sisi lived in the same time as well. Uh, his pressure was, everything was very rural, and it's becoming industrialised. Everybody was going after money, and he wanted to kind of live a bit differently. Everyone was scared of, of it in that time, of, of Islam and the threat that they perceived that to be, and wanted to fight. It was, it was a time of crusades. It was a violent reaction. Francis wanted a peaceful reaction to engage and dialogue with them, and that's quite a life-changing experience. There were massive changes in society, and that produces saints. We're going through massive changes, aren't we, in our society? Just, just you think in your, the last three, four, five, six years, whether you want to think about Brexit, whether you want to think about the pandemic, whether you want to think about just the, the, um, the, the politics that we're in at the moment, and so on and so forth. We are going through huge changes. Some of the old certainties, you know, about uh, who we are and what we're about is going through massive changes. The church as a whole is facing huge changes and challenges, Church of England particularly. And sometimes we think, well, 
you know, I wish we could live back in the time when everything was straightforward. You, you know, I, I long for this rural parish. Do you ever have that kind of other life? You, you know, I'd never do it, but I long where everything's simple and straightforward and everyone's nice. Well, every, actually, everyone is nice here, but you, do you know what I mean? You, you live these kind of other lives. If only it was like that. If only it was like that. The reality is, is when there's lots of, you know, as the... You know, as Dave sings, shake, 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 and Shane's favourite song. Uh, you know, when there's, when there's shake, shake, shake actually in the world, what God does, he responds by raising up saints. He responds by raising up saints. So we are right now at a brilliant time to see more of us raise up and grow up into our kind of saintly calling to be who we are in Christ, showing his love. And the key to all of that for Francis, for Julian, and what the passage was about in Romans 8 is simply this. It's the key is, it's the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's not kind of all the other stuff that we often think. It's that openness to the Holy Spirit. And it's because Julian, she was so open to the Spirit. It's Francis so open to the Spirit in so different ways. For Francis to be open to the Spirit sometimes meant he would hang around in large groups and preached about Jesus. Sometimes I meant for me to talk to wolves, don't ask, or other times they'd just go up and climb a tree, you know, or bake a cake or whatever. For Julian, it would be sitting down and listening to God's presence. It would be one-to-one conversations. It would be reading the scripture. Everybody encountered the Spirit differently, but it was the work of the Holy Spirit that prompted all the change and transformation and made them saints. In other words, it wasn't about the hats, it wasn't about society, it was about the Holy Spirit. It wasn't about being forced into, I've got to be this kind of person, I've got to be that kind of person, if I'm going to fit in, I've got to be like that, and I can't be like that. It was being wide open to the Spirit of God and finding, you know what, the Holy Spirit quite likes you, actually. And he or she, however you translate the word Ruach, is really happy to be at home in you, in you, as you are. The Holy Spirit is at work. So what we um, want to do is a really simple thing, is just to create, as we um, you know, draw to a close really, is just to create a little bit of space for people to receive the Holy Spirit and to be prayed for and to say, do you know what, I wanna, I'm going I'm to have a go at being a saint, you know, I might, might as well. Rowan uh, Williams wrote this, he says, the new humanity, that's the new sainthood that's created around Jesus, is not a humanity that's always going to be successful and in control of things but a humanity that can reach out its hands from the depths of chaos to be touched by the hand of God. Isn't that beautiful? So we just want to give space to do that. And the way we're going to do it is a very traditional way, actually. And um, uh, Felucio and Rach and Caleb are going to just be uh, at the side there, of the, over that side at the side, so way out of the sight of the um, uh, of camera, because there's obviously it's online as well. Um, and they can have some oil, and they're just simply going to anoint you with the sign of the cross on your forehead and just ask for God's Holy Spirit to come upon you and be with you. And it might be for some of you, actually, you think, gosh, that's been a while. That's been a while since I've received some prayer. Then, then, then go for it. And it might be for some of us, it might be like, do you know, I don't, I don't think I've ever been prayed for like that before. Just, just haven't for one reason or another. Or maybe this afternoon is that moment just to go and to receive some prayer and just that little anointing. It's not long prayers. It's not weird prayers. It's just that really simple way of saying, yeah, I want the Holy Spirit at work in my life. And I'm going to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and uh, raise up saints among us at Top Church. So what we're going to do is uh, Chris is going to lead us in a song of worship. Caleb and Felicia and Rach will just be over there and as we worship together, if you'd like to receive prayer, just wander over there and there, um, just anoint you with oil. 
and pray for God's presence. But shall we just stand and I'll just say a prayer. Thank you, Lord, that you call us as we are and you make us more, more like ourselves through your love. And I pray for every single one of us this afternoon that we would be affirmed from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet, that we are loved by you, that we are on this path to sainthood. And I pray, Lord, that you would just send your spirit in these beautiful closing moments, that we might all leave here knowing we are loved by you and cared for by you as we are. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.